Welcome to the Redeemer Lincoln Square podcast. Our church began in April of 2017 and is located just down the street from Lincoln Center in the Lincoln Square neighborhood of Manhattan. Our channel will primarily feature sermons from our Sunday worship service, as well as encouraging stories and conversations with members of our LSQ church family. We hope you'll subscribe as a way to stay connected during this season of uncertainty and social distancing. This scripture reading is from Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, thank you, Catherine, for that wonderful reading of Scripture. And for all of you, good morning and welcome again to Redeemer Lincoln Square's virtual worship service. Now, this summer, we've been looking at a sermon series on the book of Psalms. And for the last sermon of the series, we're going to be taking a look at the last psalm of the entire book. And reading it, you may realize that this is perhaps one of the most jubilant, most uh, noisiest uh, psalm uh, that you'll find in the entire Psalter. Uh, And if you try reading it out loud, you'll see that with its repeated emphasis on praising God over and over again, you can't help but read it louder and louder with each line. And really, that's the intended effect, right? One scholar uh, says the note of praise here swells out more and more strongly toward the close of the book, finally to break out in this crescendo, uh, which is full-toned and jubilant. Now, I remember being in a uh, a gospel choir when I was in college, and one of the best experiences I had the whole time was when we were uh, performing the song. And as we got towards the end of the song, uh, there was a line about praising God, and we sang that line over and over again. And what happened was as we sang that line over and over again, all of us were just caught up right in the rhythm of its repetition so that it was almost as if the entire choir and those listening in were lost in the words and the melody and was just enveloped in joy. And it was one of the most uh, incredible musical experiences of my life. And that's precisely what we're looking at when we look at this psalm. Now, at this point, some of you may be asking, why are we looking at a psalm like this when there's so much suffering around us, when there's so much anxiety, uh, when there's so much confusion and negativity around us? Are we just being escapist or are we being dishonest about the state of the world uh, that we're living in? And I'd say no. I think what we'll see in this psalm is that such praise is not just a way to escape from suffering, but rather a, the way to deal uh, with your suffering. And so what I'd love for us to do this morning is to take a look at this psalm under the three following headings. Let's look at the meaning of praise and the scope of praise. And lastly, the power of praise, the meaning, the scope, and the power of praise. So first, the meaning of praise. Well, <clears throat> We see that the psalm opens up with the phrase, uh, praise the Lord. And the Hebrew word uh, for that phrase is hallelujah. And I know that all of you 
are probably familiar with that word. And the word hallelujah is actually a compound word uh, that is composed of the word hallel, which means to boast or to brag in something, and the word yah, which is uh, the word for God. And so put those two together, the word hallelujah means literally to brag or to boast in God. Now, what does that mean in our context? Well, let me uh, compare it this way. Uh, if you're anything like me, uh, you know, living in New York City, you have a sense of uh, pride about you. And so for myself, when I go out of town, when somebody asks me the question, you know, where are you from? Uh, really, there is a sense of pride and joy that kind of bubbles up in me. And almost with a, a little smile, I say, you know, I'm from New York City. Like I'm some big deal, right? And that response there is not just a statement of fact of where I live. No, I'm, I'm actually boasting and taking pride in finding my joy in my city. But really, what's going on in my heart, right? Here's what I've done. I've taken the, the goodness of New York City, right? It's placed at the top of the game when it comes to food, uh, music, and the arts, and unfortunately, you know, during this season, not sports, but, you know, New York City's place at the top of the game. And what I've done was I've internalized it. I've placed my identity in it. And the satisfaction and the joy that comes from living in a place like this came out in response. in that little smile and the pride with which I said, I come from New York City. What am I doing there? I am praising New York City. Likewise, to praise God, right, to hallelujah, is to look upon God's goodness, to so internalize and lose yourself in it that there's an insuppressible joy and satisfaction that bubbles up in you until it is brought out of you. And what's brought forth is praise. And that's what it means to praise God. Now, during a season like the one that we're living in, where so many other sources of, of bragging and boasting have dried up. When the uh, glitz and the glamour of New York City is gone and what we're left with is grit. And by the way, I find it interesting that there, there are these articles that are coming out that say, you know, what makes New York City is not the glamour and the glitz, but it's resilient Right, creative spirit, right? That's what New York City is all about. And that's incredible, and I totally agree. But why do we even feel the need to mention it in the first place? Well, it's precisely because these other sources of boasting that we've taken for granted all these years have dried up. But what we see in this psalm is the command is to look upon the fountain of goodness that is God it's a fountain that never dries up and never changes. And the command is to drink deep from that fountain of goodness until it begins to burst out in expressions of praise. Right? That's what it means to hallelujah. To find your joy and your satisfaction in God and letting it come out of you. Right? So that's the meaning of praise. But what's the scope of praise? Now, for this point, let's take up the whole psalm and break it down into four parts. Because in verse 1, what we see is that there is this command to praise God, right, in the sanctuary and in the heavens, meaning everything in between, right? It's, it's praise, praise God everywhere, 
right? The next part we find in verse 2, where the command is to praise God for his deeds and for his nature, right? Praise God for everything uh, is what we're being told. And in verses 3 to 5, the command is to praise God, employing every instrument you can get your hands on, right? The command is to praise God in every way possible, And we round out the psalm in verse 6 where the command uh, says, Everything that has breath, everything that has breath, praise God. Right? Every creature is commanded to praise God. Now, do you see the scope of this command here? Right? It encompasses all of time and all of space, right? Through every means possible, and it involves every creature. And actually... If you consider other psalms and even Jesus' words in Luke 19, we can say that it even involves inanimate objects. Right? The command is for the entire universe across time and across space to ring forth in praise. Right? That's the command. Now, try to wrap your mind around this. You know, I've given it some thought. I just started laughing, right? Because it stretches the limits of our imagination to even begin to grasp the scope of this command. But let me tell you, just thinking upon this alone for the rest of your life will be time well spent. Why? Because here in this psalm, we get to the meaning of our existence, the meaning of the world. Right? Because the end to which God created the world is for there to be an insuppressible, infinite, unending joy expressed in thunderous praise. At Redeemer Lincoln Square, we value questions and the people who ask them, which is why we hold a time of question and response, or Q&R, after our Sunday worship service. It's an opportunity for anyone to text in questions and then process responses alongside our pastors and other members of our church community. If you have questions that you'd like to process, feel free to email us at lsq at redeemer.com or join us for our virtual worship service on YouTube every Sunday at 1030 a.m. Eastern. You can find our YouTube channel at lincolnsquare.redeemer.com slash YouTube. And so having uh, taken that into consideration, then what follows is that you were created, you were created for joy and for praise. Right? This is true during seasons of triumph. Right? This is true during seasons of defeat. This is true during seasons of plenty, and this remains true during seasons of empty. Right? This is true in your career. This is true in your relationships, in your hobbies, in your studies. This was true pre-COVID. This remains true mid-COVID, and this will remain true post-COVID. For all time, wherever you may be, this is what you were made for, to find your joy and your satisfaction in God and to praise Him, which means God's commitment to His creation, God's commitment to you, is to so fill you with the knowledge of who He is and what He has done and to pour out that joy and satisfaction into you so that you can help but burst forth in praise. 
Now listen to this, and, and I'm going to read for you a couple of passages because I really need to hammer this home because you and I, I, I we just don't get that that's the meaning of our existence. Uh, we always kind of gravitate towards religion and towards right behavior. And so we need to listen to this. So here are a couple of passages that touch on this reality. Second Corinthians chapter 16, it says, The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Psalm 23, Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Zephaniah 3 says, He will take great delight in you. In His love, He will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. Luke 12 says, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. And lastly, Psalm 37 says, Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Do you, do you hear this? Now, I know that some of you may be listening to this, may say, well, see, if you look at these passages, they're conditional, right? It says, take delight in the Lord, then he will give you the desires of your heart. Right, so what's going on? Well, wait, but you can't change what you desire, can you? Right, so this, all, all of these conditions uh, can't be some kind of a moral or an ethical command, right? Because give you an example no matter how much i try to like classical music i just can't i'm just so ashamed to admit this but every single classical performance i attended i fell asleep i just can't change what i desire so what we're being told in these passages and in psalm 150 is that god is so committed to your joy Right, the kind of joy and satisfaction that only He can give, that He'll even change your taste buds so that you may taste and see that the Lord is good. And all that is left for you is to trust in His commitment to you and to seek after your desires. The only, excuse me, the only work that is left is for you to work hard after your desires. For joy and for satisfaction and for praise. Now, <clears throat> after years of having been a Christian, what I realize at this point is that this childlike pursuit of your desires, pursuit of joy, and the resulting praise, that's what Christian maturity looks like. Mostly as I see it in others, unfortunately. Right? It's the immature ones that keep a stiff upper lip. Right? They got their arms crossed and constantly pointing fingers at everyone around them. It's the mature Christians that are filled with praise. Childlike wonder of a God who is committed to their joy and whose lives are ringing forth in praise. Now, what other religion, right? what other system of belief has this at the heart of their worldview? Right? Christianity says the highest good is not morality, is not piety, not enlightenment. What Christianity tells us is that its highest good is to be deeply satisfied and to find your joy in God. And to express it in praise in everything that you do. Only in Christianity do you find joy and praise at the heart of it. 
right? So that's the scope of praise, right? It encompasses all of your life because it is what you were made for, right? To be satisfied, right? To be overjoyed with God and for you to express it in praise. But lastly, let's look at the power of praise. And we do need to talk about this point because if all of this is true, that we talked about, right, that all of life is to be about praise, then its power needs to be such that it can handle all of the suffering and difficulties that exist in our world uh, today, right? I know that there are many of you that are hurting, and for you, all of this may be a bit pie in the sky, and you fail to see its application in the here and now when you are going through suffering. And so having said that, what are we to make of this, right? Where does the power of praise lie? And here, notice that this psalm is the very last psalm of the entire Psalter. And the question is, why this particular psalm to close out the book? Right, here's what one scholar says. He says, the psalm is more than an artistic close of the Psalter. Right, it is a prophecy of the last result of the devout life. And in its unclouded sunniness, as well as in its universality, it proclaims the certain end of the weary years for the individual and for the world. This psalm serves as a prophecy. It is a pointer to a certain future that Christianity promises, where all wrongs will be made right, where God himself will come to you tenderly and wipe away every tear from your eyes. It's a future in which finally, finally, after many weary years, there will be unclouded, unqualified, unfiltered, unlimited praise, unending. The power of praise is that it points us to our future hope. The kind of hope that is laid out for us in Revelation 7. Let me read for you here. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Friends, this, what I just read for you, is your future. If you trust in this God and his commitment to your joy and to your satisfaction. And at the present moment, that means every bit of suffering we experience can only add to our capacity for praise. And as we grieve and as we are honest in our lament, as we did earlier in the service led by Brent, Notice we are grieving and lamenting to a God who is good. And in our lament, we are holding this good God to account. A God who has a soft spot in his heart and is actively working for the weak, 
for the marginalized, for the oppressed, and for those who are suffering. And to many of you watching this now, you don't need me to explain this to you. Having spoken to many of you who have suffered tremendously, let me just say you astound me with your capacity to praise in seemingly impossible situations. And let me just take this moment to thank you for your leadership and example because you show me and for the rest of us at Redeemer Lincoln Square what it means to praise, what this song means. See, suffering can only expand our capacity to praise, indeed because of the goodness of God. Now, Walter Brueggemann, who is an Old Testament scholar, looked at the Psalms of Lament And he said this, he says, These psalms move from plea to praise. And the intervention of God, in some way, permits the move from plea to praise. And the proper setting of praise is as lament resolved. Now see, here's the key holding lament and praise together. It is God's intervention Right? And it's God's intervention that turns our cries into shouts. And where do we see that in our lives? In every single one of our lives. We see it in John 3.16, where it says, God, For God so loved the world that he sent, he sent his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved everything that has breath, he intervened in sending his son that whoever believes in him shall not cry, but shout unto eternity, the shout of praise. See, the cross was the ultimate act of intervention from God. Why? Because on the cross, God experienced In Jesus Christ, the deepest lament of our hearts so that we may be set to praise, right? The cross indeed is where our cries turn to shouts so that even in our darkest times of lament, there will always be the light of praise. Now to close friends, we are about to enter into an uncertain fall, right? Nobody knows what to expect in the next coming months. And our year. And in the here and now, our city is hurting. We are suffering. But, friends, what if you and I, we internalize the joy of what God had done for us in Jesus Christ and the joy of who He is, right? All of His goodness and righteousness and His mercy and justice. And what if we became worshipers? in praise and what if redeemer lincoln square we brought the praise of this god who turns our cries into shouts and we brought it to our city what if we were to move out into our city with our brags uh, and boasting in the goodness of this god to serve our city right that friends is the call for us and so friends Hear the words that are sung in amazing grace. And I love this verse. It says, when we've been there in heaven, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun.
friends, let us bring this power of praise into our city together as a church. Let's pray. Our God, we thank you that even in times of suffering and sickness and when the lights go out and things happen in our lives that we don't expect, we thank you that with each difficulty you are working in our hearts and in our lives to increase our capacity to praise you because you are always good and you are always righteous and you are always merciful and you are always just. And so God, as we come together as the church, even virtually like this, we pray for your spirit to come now And would you show us your commitment to our joy and our satisfaction. And for those of us who do not experience this in our hearts right now, we ask that you would give us new taste buds to taste. That you would give us new eyes to see. You would give us new ears to hear. And that you would give us new hearts so that we may delight in you. And may we do the work, God, of pursuing after our desires so that our hearts may be filled with joy and satisfaction in you, bursting forth in praise. And as we do so, move us out into our city and our world as we look to serve it and as we look to love it and as we look to bring your praise into their hearts as well. We thank you and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to our church podcast. We pray that it can serve as a resource for you as you continue processing aspects of Christianity and growing in your faith. We hope you'll subscribe to our channel if you haven't already, and we invite you to check out our website to learn more about our church and how to get connected to our family. Just visit lincolnsquare.redeemer.com.